Coast2Coast.io. Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. We are back here with episode 31. I say we, but it's just me today. No guests, no nothing. Just me, your host, Kyle Creasy. Um, nothing crazy today. Obviously, we're, we've hit about our first eight or nine games of the regular season for most teams at this point. Some have only played seven. I'm recording this on a Thursday, but a few headlines to mention and just talk about uh, some storylines in the past, in the first few weeks. Uh, some good, some not so good, and some that literally came right right as I was making this outline for the pod. Um, just want to talk about uh, Boyan Bogdanovich's extension, um, the firing of Steve Nash, what's all going on with Josh Primo. Um, what I found out right before I started this pod, James Harden's injury, um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, his performance um, so far to start the season, and the dynamic of Russell Westbrook and him coming off the bench now. Um, so to start out, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, the Pistons traded for him, uh, say a little bit before training camp. They traded Kelly Olenek. I mean, yeah, they didn't even have to give a first-round pick. It was like Kelly Olenek, and I don't even know if they gave a second-round pick, but no first round picks that has already paid off even in the first, you know, not even 10% of the season so far. Um, Boyan's averaging just under 22 points per game, shooting 52% from the field and 50% on threes, shooting a little over seven attempts a game. Um, the way he's been able to help this team in terms of moving the ball and just his presence as a shot maker and a shot creator has just been awesome. And it's been able to help out. Uh, Cade Cunningham a lot so far. Um, it's floor spacing that they desperately needed all season last season. And so I think the Pistons just kind of took a flyer on him here. Nobody really knew if the plan was to move him or trade him or something on down the line. No, I mean, I think it was truly to play alongside this team. They have aspirations of maybe being a play-in team. We'll see. But that's definitely what they're trying to do is win basketball games right now. And I think they just totally loved what they saw, and they were like, now we're going to extend him on a good number. I mean, for a guy that just is putting up those numbers that I just told you, which he's been around a 20-point-per-game scorer for a while now, to be able to secure him for two years on less than $20 million a year, that's a great contract. So especially with a team that doesn't have a lot of um, – their tax bill is not that high right now anyway. Don't have a lot of money in long-term contracts, a lot of young guys. You know, Cade's still on his rookie deal. Obviously, Jay Niven's on his rookie deal. Isaiah Stewart's still on his rookie deal. Jalen Duren's on his rookie deal. Killian Hayes is on his rookie deal. Sadiq Bey is on his rookie. Like, just so many guys that are not on big contracts or anything yet. So, great overall for them. Boyan has been awesome for the Pistons. Um, I look forward to continue to watching this team and watch Cade progress with Boyan alongside him. Um, second thing I want to touch is the firing of Steve Nash. Um, this came not as a surprise overall to the NBA world, but definitely a surprise of the timing in which it happened. Um, the Nets started out one and five a lot of uh, this past Saturday. A lot of people, myself included, thought that it was likely the last game Nash had coached for this team. They let it keep going. On Tuesday, they played a game against the Indiana Pacers. They were up like 20-something points in the second half. Pacers came back. They only uh, the Nets almost blew the lead, but they ended up winning. And the next morning, we found out Steve Nash was being fired. Also, I don't really understand how we can get one tweet from Woj saying Steve Nash has been fired. And then the next 
five minutes it goes. Uh, this was a mutual agreement. Okay. Um, I think that's just Sean Marks trying to look out for his friend, but reality of it is Steve Nash is probably fired here. Um, now, I'm sure Steve Nash is totally okay with being done with all that. Looked like he was just having a headache every day. Um, you know, a guy that doesn't show much frustration. You saw that video of him uh, circle around social media. I'm just being so frustrated whenever he got ejected from a game. That's just not very typical of what we've seen from Steve Nash. Um, just a lot going on over there in Brooklyn. Um, you know, then we find out shortly after that apparently Ime Udoka is supposed to be hired as the head coach, but then Sean Marks comes out later and says that they don't have anything in line yet. Just a very confusing situation. Um, obviously a lot going on with Kyrie Irving over there right now as well. Uh, they're not even allowing him to speak to the media at the moment. He actually spoke to the media today. Um, it was for six minutes and a Nets PR staffer actually had to cut it short and get him out of there because of the way he was talking. I, I'm not going to get into stuff that is, I'm not going to get into stuff off the court too much because this is a basketball podcast. And to me, it has nothing to do with what actually goes on outside of that, unless it's truly worth speaking upon. And I'm just not informed enough on the situation to be able to speak on it, but it would just do wonders. It seems in this situation, if Kyrie would just simply apologize and admit he was wrong and move on. Um, but it's a disaster over there. Uh, ben Simmons is hurt. Nobody really knows what's going on. He's obviously not looked good whenever he's played. Um, the Nets are better whenever he's off the floor. I, I don't know. Um, if Udoka gets there, I do think there's reason to be more optimistic about them, but to an extent, um, not not super optimistic. So we'll, we'll see what happens with their coaching search. Uh, Jock Vaughn is their interim right now. Uh, I'm not sure what anybody can really do with that current situation. Um, all this Kyrie stuff is still playing out. Adam Silver actually came out with a statement today basically saying he was going to meet with Kyrie and that he was disappointed that Kyrie didn't come out with a formal apology. Um, so we'll see. Um, not worth talking about a ton because they've been a mess for so long, but worth noting Steve Nash getting fired and you know where do they go from here. Um, I personally believe that they could probably help themselves a little bit if they pursued Quinn Snyder because um, they're not dealing with any off-the-court issues there either. But maybe Quinn Snyder doesn't even want to mess. He doesn't even want to get involved with that type of mess. And I wouldn't blame him if he doesn't want to. But I think he'd be a lot safer going in that direction. Um, also, just a random tidbit. Um, Jalen Brown actually put something on his Instagram story uh, whenever it was reported that Udoka was going to sign as the Brooklyn Nets head coach. Um, the way I took that, because the picture was Ime beside Kevin Durant, was I think the Celtics may have actually offered that package of Jalen Brown in a first-round pick um, over the summer, but I think that my the way I read that was that it was that it was Eme influenced um, because I know Jalen Brown wasn't too happy, but I also don't really know why he would just post that with no comment. That's just the way I took it. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but it seemed like a good idea in my head. Um, enough of the Nets, though. They're, they're a disaster. Uh, another another big mess going on in the NBA world right now. Again, I'm not getting very deep into it, but just a lot of details have come out today. 
obviously the Josh Primo stuff is going on. Anyone who's kept up with the NBA knows that this is going on right now. Um, just wanted to point out this tweet from Shams today. It says, former Spurs psychologist Hillary Coffin has sued the Spurs and Josh Primo and is filing a criminal complaint over alleged incidents involving indecent exposure by Primo, alleging Primo exposed himself nine times to her beginning in December 2021 and the franchise failed to act. Um, Primo's team came out shortly after and said something along the lines of like, basically their defense was that Primo was doing nothing intentional and that if, and that they thought that she should have approached him if she had an issue with something. I don't know. I feel like it's about to get ugly on both sides. Um, if it is true that Primo was just straight up exposing himself and that Hillary Cawthon actually went to the Spurs organization and told them about this stuff and there was no action taken, it's disgusting. Um, I think our the NBA as a whole, uh, a lot going on recently, need to be a lot better, and that starts with Adam Silver. So we'll see what kind of action he takes here. Um, but considering we've had stuff with the Suns, Spurs now, Udoka on the Celtics, and we hardly hear from Adam Silver whatsoever, or he hardly acts on these situations and the recent Kyrie thing. I don't know. I just feel like as a commissioner, he really has to step up more. But now to just some basketball side of things, because I don't like talking about those side of things, but they're totally worth mentioning. Um, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up my notes, going to make this podcast are going to make the outline for this podcast before I start it. And I get a notification just randomly saying that James Harden will be out for a month. Um, I was not under the impression that it was anything that serious. Uh, I guess sometimes you just don't think like that. And then it ends up being like that, especially because it is a right foot tendon strain. And when it comes to tendons and muscles, you don't really know um, at first. So this is a tough blow for the 76ers. I mean, just to put it blunt, James Harden has been this team's best player so far. Um, I think Joel Embiid is going to be fine and can and can turn around and do what we are so accustomed to him doing, being an MVP level performer. But it's not been that start of the year. Um, he's been dealing with some injury stuff as well. Uh, they're going to need a lot out of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey uh, going forward in this next month. Um, their bench has not been playing very well at all. Um, you know, they were one of the teams that were viewed to have one of the more successful off seasons in terms of acquisitions. And none of that's really paid off to this point yet. Um, we will see if they play better in the absence of James Harden and maybe they're getting more accustomed to Doc Rivers system and trying to figure things out on both ends of the floor. But it's not been the greatest so far. I mean, they're entering this month of no James Harden one game under 500. And when you look at their schedule coming up, uh, their next four are the Knicks, Suns, and the Hawks twice. And none of those are any pushover. The schedule, as it keeps going, doesn't necessarily get easy or anything. Things could go south. I mean, maybe Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid can do enough. Um, maybe some of the other guys can step up. They're really going to need some better play out Tobias Harris overall. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't know how this affects Doc Rivers. Um, I think I think we were leaning towards if we got about a quarter of the season in and the Sixers were still sitting around 500 or lower, I think Doc Rivers is really in some dangerous territory. 
I don't know how hard an injury affects that in terms of how Daryl Morey and their whole front office will view it, but we will see. Um, really sucks for James Harden because of the way he'd been playing. And I don't necessarily think that he'd gotten his step back or anything. I think he was always considering his age and when he got the hamstring injury. And in case you forgot, he got a grade two strain and played through it in the playoffs, which was just absurd. Like, I tried to tell everybody, and I don't think enough people appreciated enough how much it meant that he was playing in the playoffs in that Bucks series through a grade two hamstring strain. I mean, that's like your hamstring is almost fully torn. And he's obviously had repercussions because of playing through that. Um, and he'd really been utilizing mid-range and the floater a little bit more. He'd always He'd always been a big floater guy, but a little bit more than usual and was really good uh, with his pace. He's always been good with his pace, but really taking more thought and time into that, I think, especially by utilizing the mid-range. Um, it had went down in the past few games he was playing. I don't know if that was a product of this or anything, but things were looking good. This is just a really tough blow. And for a 76ers team that has full-on aspirations of making a deep playoff run, you can't afford to be losing a lot of games right now. And especially as teams, you know, a lot, since we're almost 10 games in, 12 games in, as we keep going, people are going to get more in shape. Teams are going to get more in shape. People are going to start figuring out lineups. And so being behind the curve on that does not help them at all. Maybe they can pick it up. I don't know if I'm too optimistic about them in this month without James Harden, though. Uh, hope James Harden is okay and hope he recovers just fine, though, and hopefully it is just one month. Um Next guy I want to talk about, uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander. Um, if you listen to this podcast for a long time, you know how high I've been on Shea. Um, I've always, for the past few years, viewed him as one of the elite talents. Uh, two years ago, I had him as a top 25 player in the league. I don't think I was crazy for saying that at the time, nor do I think it's crazy now. Um, it's just one of those things you had to watch the guy. And I get it. Not everybody's going to tune into Thunder basketball. But also, if you don't tune into Thunder basketball, then don't talk about him. I mean, you should only be talking about people if you really watch them and kind of know what you're watching. Because this guy has been an elite scoring talent um, for some years now. And, you know, the thing for me was two years ago when I was watching the Thunder play, they they traded for Al Horford. And they, they were just trying to get some assets around. They were helping out 76ers. And... When Shea and Al Horford were playing, that team was not far from the playoff race. They were competing every night, and they were sitting at 10th in the Western Conference around Christmas time. They shut down Al Horford for the year, and then eventually they shut down Shea with what many would probably say was a fake injury just to get better lottery odds. Um, yeah, I mean, if you watched them at the time, you realized how good he was. Um, and then this year, it's like everybody's being put on notice of how good he is. It's like, Come on, man. A few years ago, Shea was averaging like 26, 27 points a game on 50, 40. Uh, I don't remember if it was 90 from free throw line, but 50 from the field, 40 from three, and a high free throw percentage, even if it was just in the 80s. Like, this is nothing surprising here if you're a guy that's been ahead of the curve on Shea Ghost Alexander. So, you know, a lot of people, it's not their fault. You're not tuning into Thunder basketball. It's okay. But again, I don't think as many people should be surprised as they are. Um, right now, when Shea Gildas-Alexander is on the floor, 
Uh, the difference is a plus 26.2 per 100 possessions for the Thunder uh, in terms of plus minus. That's just crazy. I mean, that type of point differential per cleaning the glass gives gives you a 55 win rate in an 82-game regular season. Um, something I've noticed from Shea is a defensive jump. He's very active uh, with his hands, um, getting a lot of steals so far to start the season, but also just being playing well off of the ball. Um, he seems a lot more locked in on that end, and that's definitely been a concern for him before. Um, but just very active, very bought in. The Thunder have, like, the fifth best defense right now in terms of defensive ratings. So, you know, shout out to them. Um, that's a lot of people buying in. But Shea specifically, I think, is one guy that has really turned it up a notch on that end. Uh, right now, in six games that he's played, he's averaging 32 points, seven assists, and five rebounds on 52% shooting. 32% from three, a little bit to be desired, but I think that can go a little bit up. He's never proven to be some ridiculously elite three-point shooter, but he can definitely be above league average. And 98% from the free throw line, which just crazy, man. I mean, whenever you got a guy that gets to the line at the rate that, at, that Shea does and then hitting them at that kind of clip, that you just love it. Um, they're, the Thunder are four and three overall. They're four and two when Shea plays. Obviously, it's just a one-game difference, but still – you know, just want to reiterate the fact that they're winning and being more competitive when he's playing. And right now, shout out to StatMuse. He is top three in transition points per game, isolation points per game, and points per game on drives. The thing about Shea, too, is like he is a good athlete, but he doesn't play off of, like, athleticism. Like, usually your younger guards – are attacking hard to the rim and, you know, getting trying to go straight to the basket off the dribble and taking such a high volume of threes and stuff. Shea scores all over the floor. He gets to his spots. He's never in a rush. And it doesn't matter how someone seems to be guarding him. He's going to get to his spot. And it's not just beating you off speed or anything. It's just he is that manipulative and that good with the basketball that he can do whatever he wants. Um, I just encourage you, if you have league pass or if you're able to tune into Thunder games at all, go watch the Thunder play basketball. I also encourage you that if you don't have access to watch the Thunder play basketball, watch his highlights or watch any kind of tape that you can whenever you possibly can if you have free time for it because he is an, he's a continually ascending player in this league and it's not going to stop. From here, I mean, this is a jump that people like myself that have paid attention to him for a while have been expecting. Um, yeah, he won Western Conference Player of the Week last week. It's super early, so I hate to talk about MVP stuff, but he's probably in that type of conversation right now. It's just going to be fun to keep up with him as the year goes on. I'll be interested in seeing if the Thunder actually pursue a play-in spot or not. I think a lot of it just kind of depends on health from other guys. We've already had some small issues with Josh Giddy. Um, Shea missed one game. Um, obviously, they don't have Chet this year at all. So we'll see. I think a lot of it is injury dependent, but they're definitely a team that can make a play in. I mean, they're good enough to make a play in push. Who knows, man? The way the West is going right now, maybe they could slide in at six or something if they really wanted to. So we'll see. But totally encourage everybody to go watch Shea Lewis Alexander if you have the chance. Um, and lastly, before I wrap up this pod, 
and I don't know if I said it at the beginning or not, but this is not going to be a super long pod or anything. Um, is the Darvin Ham has decided to bring Russell Westbrook off the bench, and there were a lot of questions on will Russ actually buy into this? Is this just going to make things worse? Is this just the first step before they send him home? No. I mean, I think I think a lot of people would say that you know why didn't Vogel do this last year? Well, if you remember, Frank Vogel didn't have the power to do this last year. Darvin Ham was given the power to bench Russell Westbrook this year. I don't know why Frank Vogel didn't have that power last year. Nobody knows why the Lakers front office does a lot of things that they do. Quite frankly, they're not that great at what they do. Um, if you look at the Lakers, you know. Uh, R.I.P. Dr. Buss, but if you look at them post his death, it's a horribly ran franchise. Um, we'll see, but but they actually did give Darvin Ham the green light to do this, and he did it. And I didn't know what to think, but through three games, the Lakers, after starting out uh, two and four, I mean zero oh and four. I think they lost their net. Yeah, they lost their next game to go zero and five, but now they are two and five. So they're two and one since Russell Westbrook has came off the bench. Russell Westbrook in those first four games as a starter was not a plus and plus minus at all. He was a zero in the first game, which he had zero, but it wasn't negative considering he'd been negative in the other ones, and he's been a plus in the past two games. Um, as a starter in those four games. He averaged – or three games. I forgot he was hurt for one game. My bad. Um, He averaged 10.3 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 4.3 assists, shot 28.9% from the field. In these three games, coming off the bench, 16.3 points per game, 7.7 rebounds per game, 6.7 assists per game, shooting 46% from the field. And like I said, they're two and one. Take away starter bench. He's been really good defensively. He's totally bought into what Darvin Ham wants on that end. Maybe this is the formula for this team. I mean, I don't think this team has a good enough roster to do any crazy kind of damage, but considering they don't own their draft pick and their only motivation is to win some basketball games, this seems to be something that could work a lot better than what they've been doing. So definitely on the right track here. You know, I still am I still am a believer that a Russell Westbrook trade is coming before the deadline. It might be after Thanksgiving. It might be not till the trade deadline in February. But I still think that that's going to happen at some point. But until they make the trade, you got to win games to stay afloat. And so credit to Darvin Ham for finding something that in the short term so far has seemed to work. We'll see if it keeps up. Um the beginning of their schedule has been really rough, so it eases up at a certain point. But, I mean, they found a way to win some of those games. I mean, they could have easily started out 0-7, especially the way they started at 0-4 or 0-5. Um, but now they're 2-5. So we'll see how it goes and how it keeps up. Um, Russ and LeBron, that was always just a bad pairing, and there's ways to make it work a little bit better. Uh, but I think Russell coming off the bench, especially in the helps so many things in the to start both halves. So they've obviously looked much better. They still have an elite defense. They've had it to start the year. They just have to get some things better going offensively. 
I'm optimistic that they could get a little bit better of an offense, but not a ton better. I just don't – I think that they could find enough through LeBron, Anthony Davis, um, Russ coming off the bench. And honestly, what they've gotten out of Lonnie Walker so far to be able to get maybe like the 20th, 21st, 22nd offense. So we'll see if they can improve any there. Um, Patrick Beverly, I love the guy. You guys know I'm a Clipper fan. I'll always support Pat Bev, but it's not been very pretty. Um, last night, he was decent for them in uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter and in overtime. In terms, he grabbed a few big time offensive rebounds to give them some extra possessions. But just overall, it's just you figured he might fit in a little bit better than he has to this point. I think also another concern somebody might have for the Lakers going forward is maybe it's just because we're in the first 10 games, but just not been super – I don't want to say the impressed is the word, but LeBron just doesn't look like LeBron. He's still a great player. I just don't know to what extent. Um, but, again, we'll see. Um, but happy for Westbrook, though. I'm not a big Westbrook fan or anything, but this was – it was going to get really ugly really quick if he didn't adapt to this. And when I say that, I mean to the extent of like, who knows if he'd even be in the league next year. So this is something that could definitely help him a lot to prolong his career. I mean, he could play an extra five years if he, if he would just be willing to come off of the bench and take his ego away, which maybe he is. So we'll see if it's finally hit him. Um through these three games it has, but when you win, it fixes things. So I guess we'll see how – maybe they keep winning, but if they don't, we'll see how it continues to be handled. Um, I don't really have anything else for you. I guess I I did see a tweet. Um, the Spurs made a statement regarding some of the comments and the primo stuff. I'll read it real quick and see if it's worth noting anything. Okay, so R.C. Buford, who is the – Spurs, he's based – I don't know if he's the owner, but he's. it says Spurs Sports Entertainment CEO. I can't remember if he's the owner or not. Um, he comes out and says, we disagree with the accuracy of facts, details, and timeline presented today. While we would like to share more information, we will allow the legal process to play out. Our organization remains committed to upholding the highest standards and will continue to live by our values and culture. It's a mess. Um, there's a few different messes in the NBA right now. Like I said, I hate talking about that kind of stuff. Hopefully it gets resolved in the way it's supposed to. Um, but until then, we'll sit and wait. But with that being said, uh, well, first off, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, also, like I've said in the past few episodes, um, if you don't follow us on Twitter, go follow us on Twitter at Coast Number 2 Coast NBA. So at Coast to Coast NBA. Got all kinds of content on there every single day whether it's advanced stats, charts, lineups, um, headshot plots that are coming soon. Uh, shout out to B-Ball Index. Just got my subscription to there. So we got all kinds of stuff going up on there. So you know, please go follow us on there if you're not already. But uh, thank you for tuning in, guys. And with that being said, this is the end of episode 31 of the Post to Post podcast. See you guys next week. Artlist.io. 